Welcome to The Clinical Entrepreneur, a business podcast that's dedicated to healthcare practitioners just like you who are hustling every day to build a business and a life you're proud of. Join me, Rhonda Nelson, as I share my own experiences and extract actionable advice from industry experts about what it takes to build and scale a profitable wellness practice. friend. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Rhonda. I've got a special guest for you today. I cannot wait for you to listen in on my conversation with Paige Griffith. She is going to talk to us all things legal and we're going to talk about hiring and legalities around hiring and all the things that have to do with protecting you and your practice from any kind of issue. And I actually learned a couple things as well from her interview today. So uh, I can't wait for you to listen in. So uh, without further ado, here is my conversation with Paige Griffith from The Legal Page. You are not going to want to miss this. Well, hey, everyone. Welcome back. Uh, Paige, I'm so excited to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so we, uh, Paige and I met through, we're in a, a mastermind of sorts together, and uh, I met Paige, and her company is called The Legal Page. Such a great marketing name, girl. You get an A-plus for that, I'm telling you. <laughs> so you can tell from her name what she maybe does, and that is all things having to do with legal things. So Paige, why don't you just give us a little bit of background about what you do and who you serve and how maybe how you got into this work. Yeah. Okay. So my name is Paige Griffith. I am the owner and lead attorney behind the legal page. So I am a lawyer and we have other lawyers on board as well, but I'm the lead behind everything that happens here at TLP. Uh, I have a background actually in photography and kind of the wedding industry as a whole. So that's kind of where I got started. I was a photographer throughout law school Then I kind of, I dabbled, you know, that dabbling in entrepreneurship got me really excited about it. (laughs) And so I, I wanted to combine both my passions into one. I went and worked for a federal judge after law school, had a really good couple of years as a clerk working um, in the federal judiciary, which is an amazing opportunity. And then after that, you kind of usually go off into practice. That's like the traditional law life you know, route. And I decided to do something different. So it was a really good transitional period for me because I was still like deep into the business world. And I really started enjoying running my own business. I started going to more conferences, right. With other entrepreneurs and just seeing that life. Um, and the wedding industry as a whole, there's so many like solo service providers And they had a lot of legal questions and they just didn't have really good answers. And so it was kind of my aha moment and niche that I could fill. And then the legal page began in 2018 when I finished my clerkship and it has grown to what it is today. We have employees and contractors all over the U.S. We serve hundreds of thousands of business owners well beyond just the wedding industry now. So 2020 was um, pretty good to our company because it gave light and air to our business, um, for other business owners that were needing legal help at that time. So now we serve a multitude of different industries and it's just really fun. I love doing what I do and it's cool that I can use my legal degree towards something I'm very passionate about. I love that. And, and, you know, kudos again to you for just being willing to step your feet into the entrepreneurial world, which would not be the norm 
for an attorney other than to open your own practice and be in business right. as a practicing attorney. You're doing right. the same thing. You just did it creatively. And what I love is that your footprint now is so huge. It is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It is. Uh, it's just crazy, Rhonda, how drastically it has grown over just the course of three years. I'm still flabbergasted every day that we continually have reached from, I don't just, an, an, I don't know, this morning it was like a nanny reached out to me and asked me and said I was shared in a group and they, they're they <laughs> like wondering if we can have a contract. It's just crazy. I'm like, who knew, you know? And we yeah. have like professional organizers that messaged me last week. I'd, it Every type of entrepreneur you can think of, I promise you they're out there. That is what I've learned. <laughs> so what would you say? So you know that my audience are healthcare practitioners of all types. So we have right. everyone from MDs and DOs, all the way through chiropractors and acupuncturists and nurse practitioners and pharmacists and health coaches, all the people that would, you know, be involved in this circle of, we call functional medicine or alternative medicine. So what would you say is the biggest pain point? If you have that, you know, given your experience, what would you say is the biggest pain point that you feel that people like us would have that's question number one. And then the second thing is, what would you say is the number one thing that we don't know that we should know? Mm. Okay. So let's, Pain I will answer first. the first question, yeah. which I would say stems across every type of person who starts their mm -hmm. own business. You are so close to your own business. You're so passionate about your own business. You're so eager to make your business successful and you love your business more than anyone else. And the hardest thing for every single business owner is to delegate and find the right people to delegate tasks to. Yeah. Uh, we, we oftentimes hold our businesses too close. We're, we're not sure of like hiring, you know, or outsourcing to a specific company or a specific person, whether that's actually going to move the needle. We're very hesitant because it's not us. We, that is the burden of small business owners yeah, and entrepreneurs totally right. as a whole is yeah. we wear all the hats and we think we can wear all the hats, but you actually can't, it's yeah. not efficient <laughs> and your business won't be successful and it won't grow and scale exactly. if you're continually wearing all the hats. Yeah. So that's my answer for number one, which definitely transitions us well into what we're going to talk about today. Um, but I would, I would like scream that from the rooftops if I could on any podcast, yeah. uh, because yeah. it's something I struggle with. I'm sure it's something you struggle with. Totally. It, it's a, consistent learning lesson as a business owner. I mean, I've gotten better at it. I absolutely can say that, but you still have those hesitancies. Like are, are they doing it the way that I would do it? And you have to let go of a lot of that. Like yeah. done is better than perfect or perfecting yeah. the way I would do things is non-existent yeah. and allowing people to just do it their way is still going to get the job done. Yeah. So when you delegate out, there is a sense of letting control of the baby. You're yeah. basically, it's like the first day, you know, you have this baby, you birth this baby, yes. you have the baby, you're all up in the slime and the nasty and the puke and the, all the things. <laughs> and then we got the baby and then we have to go back to work and we have to leave the baby with someone. You're like, is everything okay? What's going on? Did, did the baby coo? Did they spit up? How many times did the baby poop today? What's going on? What's going on? And we want to micromanage and control all that. And that's that that's our just protective response over the baby we call the business or a practice. Yeah. But over time, once you get over that 
heartbreak. There's a heartbreak and an anxiety and all the things that go along with that delegation. But once you've delegated that responsibility and you've let that go, it gets easier and it gets easier and it gets easier. And it's not always perfect, but nobody's going to be exactly like you and me. We are pretty yeah. awesome, I think, but nobody's <laughs> going to do it like we do it. So we have to be willing to kind of let that go and let something else happen. So, yeah. And I think that would be true for like everybody. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. And then to answer your second question, <laughs> that is hard to state simply because I think there's a lot of things that people don't know. They don't know. Um, and I think it's really interesting to talk on your podcast because we're talking to a lot of like professionally degreed, you know, people here and you, I think you'll, you, you guys will be able to wrap your head around this a lot more than people who may not have certifications and degrees, but for all intensive purposes, you go to a professional that has a degree for X purpose, right? So right. we go to a CPA to file our taxes. We right. go to a doctor or a specific doctor, like an oncologist, if we need to see them for specific treatment, we would go to an acupuncturist who has, you know, the necessary credentials to be able to do that um, right. and experience right. to be able to do that. Right. Same goes for psychology. Of course, like you want to go to someone who has a degree. I know. Yeah. 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 So it's weird, but I would say the one thing that people don't realize is it's become more commonplace to be your own lawyer and to do a lot of legal things yourself. And I would just tell people like, listen to that gut reaction that you have. If you're going to a professional for the variety of other things I just described, where you're like, I want someone who is certified and has experience and knows what they're doing and has legal malpractice insurance to be able to answer this question for me instead of me trying to figure it out myself. Listen to that gut feeling, right? Because you can get yourself into more trouble as an entrepreneur DIYing the legal things. There are plenty of things, and we're going to talk about them today, that you can do yourself, right? You're trying to wear that chief legal officer hat yourself as a business owner. I get it. Like sometimes it's just, it's not in the funds to be able to go hire an attorney for certain things. Um, But when you have that gut feeling that you need to talk to an attorney or you need to just reach out to someone to get the right legal answer. So, you know, you're on the right path. I would say that is the biggest thing that I feel like people don't listen to that intuition as a business owner enough when it comes to the legal side of running a business. I, I absolutely agree. I had an attorney several years. So it's probably been, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And she said to me back then, that was kind of before I did much legal, you know, I was like, you know, wearing my own chief legal officer hat, like, Oh, I got this. I'll put, make it sound a little fancy. And I'll put a few extra words in there to make it all look good. And I remember finally had, I had to a situation. I had to reach out to attorney and just say, Hey, would you just check this for me? And she said to me, and I'll never forget this. She said, I would so much rather work with someone like you who's coming to me ahead of time. And could you check this and make sure it's good and solid rather than what I usually get, which is a phone call that says, Oh my Help. gosh, I just got a notice from somebody's attorney and they're a good, uh, and, oh, blah, 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 blah. and then the poor attorney's like trying to backpedal, like, okay, give me everything. What did you have? What did you say? What's on your website? What's all the things? And she said, 
the the wisest business decision that will save you so much money is to come to me first and let me look at all the things and let's make sure you are airtight as airtight as we can make you then if anything ever does happen piece of cake easy peasy and i'll never ever forget that so since then i've always had somebody reviewing everything that i do yeah it's a tagline that we use a lot here at the legal page, which is be proactive rather than reactive because you go to lawyers when you have a problem. It's like the dentist effect, right? Like it's hard to get people to go to the dentist often for preventative care. I mean, lots of us do because now we've kind of learned like it actually is worthwhile. Um, but it's the dentist effects. It's the pull. Like people don't want to go to the dentist for preventative measures. But what you're saying is absolutely true for business owners. The more that we can educate and give knowledge to business owners that preventative legal care for your business is actually going to save you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars in the long run, it will, it will prevent you from having to be reactive in the future. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So when it comes to, I think the one thing that we, we all, at least in my world, what we do as a small business owner one of the things we're going to do right away is we're going to be doing the solopreneur thing. Like, so then we are wearing all the hats and doing all the things and trying to make all the legal decisions and all that. And then it comes to the point where we get so busy and we have to like hit that fork in the road where we decide, do I want to stay small? And you, I'm sure you have the same thing. Like when you started out your entrepreneurial journey, you didn't have a, you know, cadre of people behind you (laughs) saying, I want to work for you. I want to work for you. You're doing all the things too. So we do all the things. And then we come to that fork in the road. Where we're like, oh crap, I cannot keep this up. I'm either going to stay exhausted and worn out and, you know, strung out and trading time for money, or I can hire someone, bring someone into my practice that'll help me then grow and scale. And so I'm sure you remember that first time you make that first hire, like it is scary as anything. Because it's the baby again. We're giving the baby up. Yeah. We're saying, okay, I was the one that was in control of everything. Now I'm going to let you be in control of everything. Or maybe I don't. I don't know. I don't know. And that's the most scary part. So can you talk us through, like, what what are the pitfalls? What do we need to know, not know, 1099, W-2, all, all the things we kind of have to consider outside of, like, the hiring process. You know, I'm not talking about that part. But what what advice would you give about that? Yeah, the very first advice I would give people is independent contractors are, are a great way to start growing your business. And it's who I started um, hiring as a worker um, when I was trying to grow and scale TLP. So if that gives you any indication that a lawyer would go that route, you yeah. can absolutely legally go that route <laughs> exactly. as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, so independent contractors are honestly just a great way to help your business without all of the commitment, liability, and risk of taking on an employee. So I always recommend that entrepreneurs like first seek help from independent contractors because your business is going to fluctuate a lot when you first start out. And you're not going to have like great workflows, great SOPs. Um, You're not going to have any of that until actually you bring on workers. They will help you create these and see the holes in your business that you don't see. Uh, And there's a lot of stress that goes along with hiring employees. Um, And I think because of the world in which we've lived in for a very long time, particularly like you and I's generation, right, is 
W2 world. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like that, that's what I know. That's what you know. That's what our families know. Like that's what we were taught. Um, but honestly gone is the time for W2 employees to be the be all end all of running a business. Yeah. And there is a time and place for them. Absolutely. And legally speaking, you absolutely have to hire an employee in specific circumstances. Um, but I truly think that, you know, contractors now, and I, this is also a silver lining of 2020 is lots of people like to freelance. Lots of people like to work for themselves. Ew. Lots of people yeah. like to run their own hours and their own schedule. Um, and it's a benefit to you, right? If the work is getting done and they are helping you do the tasks that are 10, 15, 20, $25 an hour tasks and get you back to doing the 50, 75, $150 an hour tasks yep. that will help you move the needle. So the, the one thing I always tell people is it's all about control legally. So you need to ensure that you are not controlling the, um, the contractor schedule and their ability to say no. Right. And here's what I mean by that. You can't just be like, here's all the things I want you to do. You that's an employee. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't say you're going to work from 10 to four Pacific standard time, because that's when I'm online. That is an employee. A contractor is here's a project. Does this sound like something that you would be willing to do and willing to work on? Uh, in most instances, if they're wanting to work for you and get paid, they're going to say yes, but that is not, that's not controlling their ability, inability to decline the offer. Cause some people are just like, that's not my skill set. I think you should hire out someone else to do that. And then you give them another project. So I always say they have to be truly independent to be considered an independent contractor. That's why they're called independent quote unquote, like by nature. Right. Um, so give them projects, give them deadlines, but allow them the space, the time and the control to complete it as they see fit. So can I give you a scenario? Yeah. Okay. So here's a scenario that's common. You have a solopreneur working in a practice, seeing the patients every day, and the, and they're checking them in, doing the thing, the $150 an hour thing, and then checking them out, running the credit card, scheduling the next appointment, giving them any handouts, giving them any supplements, writing it all up. Like there's all that admin -y, you know, mm -hmm. stuff that has to happen when you're by yourself. So now in that scenario, if it's me, I need somebody to help me do all that. I need somebody to help me do all that. So how do you, how would you define that then as like a project that we could give someone the autonomy enough to say, I, this is the project I need to be completed, but they kind of got to be available during the day when I'm working. So mm -hmm. that, that's a, that's a touchy one. How, how do we handle that? Or is it, is it able to be resolved with a, an independent contractor? Yeah. I mean, you're, you're walking a fine line there is what I would say as an attorney. So I have to be cautious on how I answer this because my, yeah. you know, my, my red flag here is that's an employee. So, um, okay. and I think the state would see it that way. I think if this person was hired as a contractor and then they went and argued to the state that they were actually an employee and you were paying them incorrectly, um, they would probably win. In trouble. Yeah. They, yeah. You're probably in trouble. So in the, in the scenario that you gave, that is someone you are, you're so specifically controlling the time that they work and exactly the admin tasks that they're working on. Usually like in person, or even if you're doing things online, 
if it's ad very specific admin work that is tailored only to your business, right? It's not like they could do that for a multitude of different businesses all at the right. same time on their own time, then that's more of an employee. So um, lot, I would say most like clinical practitioners in your specific area of expertise are going to be hiring admin, probably part-time employees to begin with. So um, then a good independent contractor then to kind of flip to that. So now we've got this kind of wrapped up as more of a W-2 type employee. Then an yep. independent contractor would be someone like a bookkeeper. Yep. Or yep. someone that maybe helps you write emails or manages your social media content. And then you give them a very defined, this is the outcome I need to your point. Here's the project that I need. Here's the outcome. I need X number of posts, social posts a week. I need it. Da, 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 da. That would be an independent contractor because you're not controlling when they do it. You're allowing them to do it on their own. You're just yep, absolutely out, the finish, the final output. Yes, absolutely. So, um, and lots of those people that you're speaking of too, like have their own businesses, right? So they yeah. are truly an independent business, independent contractor that you're right. hiring. Right. Um, they're, they're working for other businesses and kind of the, the same level of expertise that they're giving you, right. Social media management exactly. to other people as well. Yeah. Um, it's always good if they're working for other people, because it really does make them look like a contractor and not yeah. an employee. If they're working just for you, that's extremely suspicious yeah. on why you're exactly. hiring them as a contractor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, I did just want to note here, uh, I'm sure there are a few people that are listening to your podcast that run online, just solely online businesses. Is that correct? Yep. Virtual only. There's no yeah. brick and mortar at all. Yeah. So, you know, if you're virtual only, there's a lot of virtual assistants out there that can help you. Yep. And you, you can still offer that same flexibility, right? Like maybe they need to be online at least some part of the day that you're online. That's fine. That's very commonplace nowadays in this online virtual world that we all live yeah. in. Yeah. Um, but they still can like answer you from their phone while picking up their kids at childcare. And then they get back to their computer and are still able to work for you on their own time. That's still a contractor. A lot of virtual assistants out there that can help, especially online like clinicians. And I would, you know, if you're, if you're kind of in that realm, I would say like, definitely look into that because I know there's VAs out there that can assist you. And I mean, virtual assistants in like a virtual admin type right. of role. Right. So mm -hmm. in that example, the first example I gave her, we said an in-person person would be a W-2, but if you had an all virtual practice, maybe your deliverable or the outcome that you're expecting is by the end of the day that everybody has a follow-up appointment scheduled and this has been set and you've charged their credit card and you've you know written up their protocol or done whatever needs to be happening as long as it's done by the end of the day. Mm -hmm. They could do it at five minutes to midnight if they want to, or by the time you come in the next morning, in which yeah. case, to your point, you're, we would not be controlling the schedule. We're just asking for an outcome. Yep, exactly. Um, and for a lot of those people to write, uh, you're, you're trying to find someone that is, is willing to work part-time. Um, maybe they don't want to be an employee. They don't want all of that constraint of being an employee and working for an employer. They want a bit more flexibility in their time. Um, you're just, you're, you're kind of balancing, like how much do you want to control this person versus, like, are you willing to kind of put in the work 
for an employee employer relationship? Um, or would you rather just have them as a contractor? So it's a balancing act. It's always a balancing act in the legal side of things. Uh, but just know that it's not impossible to hire a contractor in that respect. So what, what advice would you give us? What are the pros and cons, um, either way? Yeah. Um, okay. So, Ooh, this is a fun question for me to answer because we've had a lot of ebbs and flows with employees here at the legal page, um, and contractors. So you're, you're catching me at a season where I feel like I really like contractors a lot more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> and we'll but, read between the lines on that one. Yes, yeah. But, but at the same time, Rhonda, I've had a couple employees on my team that have been here forever. Um, they're, full-blown employees, full-time employees. I offer them benefits and I, I adore them so much that I think that is the hardest part is you found that unique employee that works so well for your business that I think when you try to hire on, you try to find all those unicorn employees out there that are going to yeah. work great for you. Yeah. And it just might not be a good fit. And okay. that's where I want to just propose to people. You can do both. You don't have to have a business that's all contractors and all, or all employees. And I have a mix of both and it works really well. I'm, I'm definitely, again, business is a journey. It's not a destination. Exactly. Like you are learning every single day. And I am learning too, as someone who yeah. has managed a team for a very long period of time. Now, I feel like that, some roles you think are well-suited for an employment position, but actually it made a bunch more sense for us to like contract it out to two different people. Yeah. Um, even point. though you think you're saving money by hiring an, one person as an employee for one position, <laughs> the ROI was a lot better the other way. Yeah. So, um, here's some pros and cons. Uh, Contractors are great because you don't have to set them up on payroll. You don't have to pay all of the necessary um, insurances. So you have unemployment insurance that you have to set up in your state, uh, workers' compensation usually, and you have to have a general liability policy that covers your employees. Um, and just, you know, running payroll, whether you're doing that weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, like that's a cost to your business. So mm -hmm. the overhead there, and then as you probably know, at this point, it's more expensive to yeah. hire an employee because yeah. you are paying your share of their taxes. Yeah. Um, you kind of split it. Right. And we all kind of know this. If you have been an employee before, you know, you've gotten a pay stub and you see your taxes taken out of a pay stub, well, let me tell you, the business also pays their share of taxes on top of that, that and you don't more. see on your pay and more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So usually it can be anywhere from, um, I'm just going to do like a $10,000 salary for an employee just for all intensive purposes, right? Like yeah. bump that up times 10 or times seven for like yeah. normal employment. Yeah. Um, so if you're like paying someone, right. A salary of, $10,000, which again, just times it here. It's usually like you're actually paying out $14,000, $15,000, $16,000 in, in taxes, the employer portion yes. of the liability. So it's the salary that we're paying of 10,000 in our example, plus mm -hmm. all those other taxes is it. Yeah. Is so it's a cost benefit analysis too, to decide, you know, for us, 
and for you, I'm sure you've done this as well. Like, no, the control and having my ability to be able to tell this person what to do, how to do it, working specifically for my business, that is worth that cost. Yeah. And it is for my, my friends, mm-hmm. thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of business owners. They, they would prefer employees. Right. Um, so don't get sucked into the trap that like, you have to hire a contractor, but contractors are great. Again, when you're just starting out, maybe you are running kind of, you're trying to transition from a brick and mortar to more of a virtual practice. You know, there, there's a lot of leeway there for contractors. Absolutely. And then you're just paying them a thousand dollars a month as like their monthly rate. And that's it. Like that's their monthly package rate. And you're paying them the thousand dollars and then you hand them a 1099 NEC form at the end of the year. Um, so there's just a lot less involved. You don't have to pay insurance for them. They're responsible for their own taxes. Um, sometimes independent contractors can like have a little bit higher of a rate than you expect, because remember they're now paying both shares of taxes. Correct. Correct. So it, it, you still might be saving in the long run. Um, so just balance all of that, right? Like they're probably having to pay 20, 25% of what you pay them just in taxes. Right. So they're not, that's not take home pay for them. Uh, very different than a W2 employee. They like to see that final amount that's coming on their pay stub. So, um, a little bit, of again, kind of like playing with numbers, um, but also playing with the control you want to have over this person. Correct. Uh, hopefully that was a little bit helpful. Yeah, no, that is good. So can we do, uh, is there any disadvantage or advantage to maybe starting out the dating relationship in the form <laughs> of an empo- potential employee, maybe Yeah. is there any pros or cons to hiring them as an independent contractor and then moving them over into a W-2? I can automatically think of one con with that that has to do with adjustment of pay, but I want to hear what you have to say. And then I'll ask that question if you don't answer it. Yeah, I'll leave the adjustment of pay to you because I thought of that as well. Um, And you can follow up with that. I think the first thing for me is, of course, I'm a lawyer. And so I'm thinking of like, orange flags, yellow flags in terms of, okay, but what are you having them do to start? Because are you just trying to like skirt around the ability for them to be an employee? Yeah. Um, are you trying to like not set up payroll and not set up a UI like account in their state? Like, what are you really trying to do here? But um, I've actually seen this work out really, really well, Rhonda, with people who have kind of um, a virtual assistant business. They work with other business owners, right? They work for you and maybe two other practitioners Mm -hmm. say, and that's their expertise. But then they start really getting to like you and your practice and they like working with you and you start giving them projects and you're just gelling really well, right? Like that relationship is a super good fit for both of you. That is a more organic transition into right. an employee-employer relationship because they were already a contractor to start out with. They had whatever, you know, their own virtual admin business, and then they wanted to just solely work for you. Like, it just makes more sense, right? They they don't have to, like, be going from business to business to business with their hours of work in right. each day. Right. And it, right. it's they can focus on just your business. I have seen that so many times where people then are like, actually, I, I want to be this person's employee. It it would give me a lot of like 
you know, weight off my shoulders of having to like, yeah, Yeah. like just benefits, security, like people do want that after uh, some people, some people really do want that after a certain period of time of trying to run their own business or trying to be their own, you know, virtual assistant for other people or contractor. Um, but again, you just have to be, you have to be really, really careful because if, if you're trying to just have them as a contractor, just because you want to like have a probationary period. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're trying to put them in the contractor bubble for uh, like six months to see if it's going to work out. And then it doesn't. And you're like, Hey, no harm, no foul. Mm, That's not really going to work because they could easily go back and be like, no, I was an employee. And Right. Exactly. Get UI benefits from it. Yeah. So yeah, now let's, I want to talk about the money piece. So you brought up a great point and that is that sometimes with an independent contractor, you may pay a little bit more. So we'll use a thousand dollars for say, let's say I'm paying someone a thousand dollars a month and maybe the rate, or let's just say I'm paying them $1,200 a month or $1,300 a month. And the going rate is a thousand dollars. But I, I recognize that they're working independently. They are going to have that responsibility for their share of the, you know, FICA, Medicare, blah, 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 taxes. And so they, they, that's okay. Like I get that. So I'm going to pay them a little bit more, maybe $1,200. But now they've been doing the project, delivering on time. I'm really happy to your point. We've developed this organic working relationship. It's six months down the road and I'm sitting down, like reevaluating the deliverables, maybe giving them a little more responsibility, considering, you know, changing what they're doing, whatever it is. And I say, listen, at this, I want to bring you on now as our hired W2 social media person. Well, now remember I paid them $1,200 a month. And now I'm bringing them in as an employee, that rate of pay has to drop because Mm -hmm. we can't pay them 1200. And now I still have to pay that. So we have to have, be willing to have the conversation about adjusting the pay back down to where it needs to be so Mm -hmm. that I'm not getting, I kind of paid them ahead for their pair of the taxes. And then if I bring them on at that same rate, I'm now paying those taxes again. And so mm-hmm. the employee ends up, the new employee now ends up really, then then that's when the cost analysis has to be done because you could be paying them significantly more. So that's always one thing that I'm cautioning against. I hope I explained that well. I know you know what I'm talking about, but I hope the listeners kind of get that. So there's a very much, when you move someone from that 1099 project-based into an employee role, you have to have a conversation about renegotiating pay. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's a really good point for, for lots of people. And, you know, maybe you're bumping them up a little bit, uh, but, but not like the $1,200 is bumping up, right? Like maybe you are negotiating down to like a thousand dollars again, but now you're going to do like 1100, like you're meeting them somewhere in the middle. So especially because now they're like just working for you. So, uh, if you guys aren't catching the drift of this episode, a lot of it's balancing and a lot of it's just like (laughs) figuring out what makes the most sense for your particular business too, and your finances and your ability to like be a manager and a leader to employees. If that's the route you decide to go. Yep. Yep. So Paige, this has been super, super helpful. Is there anything else that you want to say with regard to this? I'm so glad that we, you know, decided to talk about this hiring thing because it's a big sticking point for people. They're scared. They don't know, you know, if I, am I going to give up control? What if the person doesn't work out and I have to fire them? Well, Hey, firing happens. 
happens. Firing happens. It just Mm -hmm. happens. And we have to do it sometimes. But is there anything that anything else you want to say that we may have like skipped over or not talked about? Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing that I really want to mention to people is having the right contracts in place for whatever type of person that you bring on board. So I'm a contract attorney. Uh, That's mainly what I do day in and day out. And so I just didn't want to forget to share this piece. Independent contractor agreements, employee agreements, employment agreements, also known as, and employee handbooks and kind of the difference between the three. Yeah. So Yeah. So independent contractor agreements are exactly what they sound like, right? It's a work made for hire situation. They are a contractor for your business. This is a vital, vital legal document to have when you're hiring on a contractor. So if you do decide to hire on a contractor, either you're sending them your company's IC agreement or they're sending you their agreement. Um, Mm -hmm. but you just want to make sure that it has kind of work relationship clauses surrounding that they are a contractor and no employee employer relationship is formed, um, by working together. That's like your first line of defense. If something were to come up, like we agreed to this relationship when we first started working together. So make sure you have that signed agreement between all parties involved. If you're hiring an employee, Um, It's kind of like a three-step process. So just let me quickly go through it. And we've all, hopefully, I always say we all, it's hard for me, Rhonda, because (laughs) I understand that there are people that are 18 to 25 years old right now. Um, I'm ballparking. I'm ballparking, right? There's probably 32-year-olds out there as well that have never been a W-2 employee. Um, so when I say we all just, you guys just for all intents, we get what you're saying Roll with it for all intensive purposes, many of us have been a W2 employee and we've gone through this process where you get a job offer letter. Um, and this is mainly for like salaried positions that you would send a job offer letter, um, or full-time positions, part-time positions. Sometimes it's like just an email or a phone call that you got the job, right? So formal job offers are great to use um, because it kind of binds you guys to work together. You're not going to offer the position to someone else and they're agreeing to work with you. So it kind of cools the jets of everyone involved. Then the employment agreement, that is what the employee is going to sign when they start working for you. So usually day one, sometimes, especially if you're running an online virtual business and I consult people in this respect all the time. You, you may be giving your employment agreement to them in advance of their first working day so that they have time to look over it. So you guys can kind of come to a mutual understanding or meeting of the mind, so to speak in legal terms of what you want that employment agreement to look like. Maybe you're negotiating benefits or something along those lines for them to confirm and say yes. Right. And then you have an employee handbook. And this is a piece of the puzzle that I I see missing from a lot of people's businesses is an oh, employee great. handbook. Yeah. Um, you know, an employment agreement is a binding document. An employee handbook usually isn't binding, um, but it's like more of a guide for your employees on what to expect within the company. So it's a comprehensive document that outlines all of your businesses, policies, procedures, and expectations of the organization. If they have a question about how payroll is ran, they go to that document. If they have a question about how to ask for PTO, they go to that document. And if they have a question about your, um, like how the company speaks on XYZ by behalf, they go to that document. So, um, yeah, lots, lots of things included in that document, but 
it's very much aligned with what's in the employment agreement. Mm -hmm. It's more, uh, thorough, however, and it's more conversational and it's, it's something that you're all employees agree to together. So it's more of like a commonality document between everyone in the organization with that employee handbook. Um, so those three things are really important to kind of remember when you're hiring on employees, whether that's part-time or full-time for your business. And then contractors, it's pretty simple, just one IC agreement. And then I do suggest that you also get an I nine from them. Um, because you will be sending, a, that's, you can just go onto the irs.gov website and download an I nine. And then that is the document you will use to give to your bookkeeper or CPA at the end of the year. If you paid right. them an independent contractor, if you paid them over $600, you have to send them a 1099, but to send right. them a 1099, you need an I nine. So yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's like so helpful. I would agree that very often, you know, just employment is agreed upon. Like, let's say I'm going to hire a front desk person. I'm going to pay you $20 an hour, $25 an hour, depending on where you live. And here we go. And they say, yes. And then you just have them fill out the W4 and forget about the I-9. And and then here's your desk and here's the computer password. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And that's all we have. And that is a shame because it doesn't set anybody else up to win. Mm-hmm. including the employee and most especially not the business owner or the clinician. Cause there's a lot of liability that you're assuming by doing that. So Paige, yep. how can, I'm sure that everyone listening is like, Oh shoot, I need, <laughs> I need the legal page. So how can everybody get in touch with you? What's the best way to reach out to you? Yeah. The best way to reach out to us is through our website. So you can go to the legal page, P-A-I-G-E.com. It's play on words of my first name as Rhonda said at the beginning, uh, trademark that right away, my friends. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and yeah, we have all kinds of contract templates and documents that are available on our website. So we are a contract template shop. So all of those documents I just talked about are there. Good. If you want a good starting place, we've drafted these specifically for myself and my legal team for small business owners, just like you. Um, so they're better than any other document you'll find out there. And, um, then you can use them. It gets you about right. 99% of the way there. It's a good way to DIY things on your own with the help of a licensed attorney, right. Without having to hire them for $500 an hour. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And if you have like specific questions related to your business, uh, we can sometimes answer those, but a lot of times we just answer them in our private Facebook group community because of attorney client privilege and legal ethics and responsibilities. Myself and my legal team are in there as are thousands of other business owners and everybody asks questions in there and then we monitor it and answer. If you're looking for more one-on-one help, we don't custom draft contracts or do legal consults or anything along those lines. I do have a law firm that helps with intellectual property. So if you need help with copyright issues or trademark issues, we can help you. Um, but certainly reach out to us, um, on our website because we have a good referral system and we can point you in the right direction. Okay, great. So for anyone listening, if you want to take a look at the legal page, the legal P-A-I-G-E.com, you can go head on over there, grab any templates that you want, download them, and they are fillable. Yes. So customizable yes. and fillable. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, you can at least get started and get yourself uh, protected. And then what would it take for someone to get into your private Facebook group? 
Yeah, just go to the Legal Page Community on Facebook. You can type it into the search bar and it'll just ask you a couple of questions to make sure you are a business owner yeah. uh, and then you'll get in. Awesome. Well, that's, yep. that, that's so great. Paige, I can't tell you how much I appreciate this conversation and I have enjoyed getting to know you inside the mastermind that we are in together. Um, but I'm so grateful that you took your time to give my audience a little bit of your wisdom and knowledge and hopefully we can help make them a little safer as they go along their own journey on hiring and growing and scaling their own business. So Paige, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, this was such a fun conversation. I hope you all enjoyed it. Thank you, Paige. So how was that? Did you love that? Oh, it was so good. She had so much great information about how we can protect ourselves and make sure that we get the right employee and get them all protected and taken care of. So as we mentioned or she mentioned, be sure you go check her out at thelegalpage.com and it's P-A-I-G-E, that's her first name, thelegalpage.com. You can follow a page on Instagram, The Legal Page, YouTube, The Legal Page. She also has a podcast called Guess. The Legal Page Podcast. Yes. So talk about great branding. Absolutely. So go check her out. And if you need any of these resources, I would highly recommend investing in them. And then as she mentioned, once you are, you can go jump in her community and get advice and, you know, free information and ask questions and that kind of thing. So uh, Paige is just a sweetheart. I have really come to appreciate and uh, really rely on her for this type of information. So go check her out. The Legal Page dot com can't wait for you to start getting those legal pieces in place so that you can really protect yourself as you move forward and as you grow your practice all right friend take care i'll be back next week with more clinical entrepreneur podcast bye for now